We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aikman is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, close to the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Brian Burns to the house! And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. He pounded on three. One, two, three. He Welcome another episode of The War, brought to you by Blue Wire. I am your host, Billy Marshall, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Mr. John Ellis. John, how are you? I'm well. How are you, man? It's been a while since we spoke at the end of the regular season, and yeah. uh, quite a few things have changed with this organization, but one thing hasn't, and that's David Tepper's silence. That continues to go on, and I don't expect to hear anything from him in the near future, but that is what it is at this point. Uh, but, you know, John, there's just been a lot of things going on with this organization. I don't even think there's been a lot going on. I, I think that I just want to start off the bat. This is a thing that you and I have crit- criticized them in the past for and the weird thing is if you remember last year they were so transparent about the gm search i remember darren gant would always release an article that this guy interviewed this guy interviewed and they kind of like on what days and then they told us who the finalists were and then they told us when a decision would be made the lack of communication and transparency among this organization it's been one of the more just baffling things that i can remember like have we even heard from the new offensive coordinator and the new staff members i don't think we have and it's just it's all over the place at the silence in the building it's just a lot of bad vibes are you know coming through there and that's not a really good start to the offseason i just want to get your thoughts on that right now yeah you know i I look i it's been by the way, good to be back with you here. It's been a few weeks, and sorry to everybody out there. We've been, but Billy and I both been slammed, but a lot has absolutely happened here since then um, with this franchise, new offensive coordinator, new line coach, James Camp, and of course, Ben McAdoo's the OC. Uh, you've got Chris Tabor in the house now as a special teams coach, and yet you've heard from not a peep from David Tepper. We've heard from Matt Rule once, of course, that 
very haphazard press conference that followed the season. Um, and on the radio. Yeah, and on the radio too, which was, I thought, pretty revealing. I'll just leave it at that. Um, we can dive into that later if you want. But, like, we've only heard from him a couple of times, really. And Fitterer, I thought, did a good job of sort of messaging things out there after the season. But, it, you know, it was obviously GM talk. You're not going to get a whole lot of insight there. But you hadn't heard anything since. And to your point about transparency, you're right. The owner, you know, look, Dave Tepper, obviously there's soccer going on right now with MLS. They're, they're launching their broadcast crew and they've got their franchise down there at IMG doing, you know, drills and stuff. And I get there's a lot going on on that side. And there's a lot to his world too besides football. I think that's what we've got to understand that this is the new new. This is the new normal. This is the way it's going to be. But to that point, Hey, Dave Tepper couldn't find enough microphones and cameras the first couple of years, Billy. I mean, look, he was out there looking for a camera to talk about Cam Newton's you know, injury status. He was out there tailgating with the fans, changing the logo midfield. And it just seems to me, like I said this the other day, when, when the times are down, the chips are down a little bit, you get a head coach who disappears from social media when he's, you know, back in September liking tweets and out there tweeting stuff out. And then you got a owner who is just, Radio silence, Billy. And I would like to see one thing I'd said last season, if they're going to continue on with this, to have some sort of messaging out there in terms of structure. You know, you don't can't give away every secret behind the scenes there. I get that. I, I'm not unreasonable here. But I think some type of sit down with the media from upper management or the ownership group, meaning David Tepper, it would be great. All we're hearing about is, you know, the in-house promotions. Of course, Dave Tepper's wife Nicole has been promoted to a new executive role. Uh, there have been other executive promotions too, including new team president, Christy Coleman. Samir um, Suleiman got promoted, I believe. Yeah, too. Samir, Samir Suleiman, a, a new position there. So that's, that's, you know, very interesting as well. And Tom Glick is out. So I, I find that interesting too, because Glick was a big part of Tepper's operation for a long time. Um, and was an integral part of, you know, Tepper launching himself into this ownership deal. So I don't know what to make of it other than, you know, look, we thought towards the end of the season, I think you probably lean more in a direction, not that you wanted this, but I think you were more realistic than I was that Matt rule would probably be back. I kept looking for not opportunities because I don't want to come across as being, you know, an asshole here, but I, I was trying to look at it from every angle, even this Michigan thing lately where you were hearing some sourcing, even guys like Bruce Feldman out there were mentioning Matt rules name as a possibility. And then Harbaugh just, decides to flip the script and say, ah, you know what, I'll just go back to Ann Arbor. I don't know if that was ever a real possibility for Matt, but hey, look, this is the year, Billy. This is it. I mean, it's year three. Matt Rule, the cupboard is not bare. He's got the guys he's wanted. You know, let's just be honest. He wanted Sam Darnold. They wanted Watson. They wanted, you know, obviously Matt Stafford. That didn't work out. They could have played a more patient game here, I think probably in hindsight. We all, at least I probably was a little less pessimistic about Sam at the time. I know I was less pessimistic at the time, but in hindsight, my goodness, it's just, what was the chart that was posted the other day, Billy? The guy from PFF, I think, posted about the the formula to, that they have going on right now with the lack of cash. Yeah, space. essentially, oh. it's, a, it's a plot detailing how much draft assets and capital free agency capital each team has and Carolina was like the worst in the NFL and and all the teams around them are playoff teams 
for a reason because they have spent that capital and they have spent that cap room to get playoff ready, whereas Carolina has put themselves in a position where they don't have a lot of room to defer money right now and they don't have a lot of draft capital. They got one in the top 100. So fans are frustrated. You know, I'm, I'm frustrated for them, man. And I just – a little more transparency I think would be nice. Yeah, and it's just been weird. Like, even when they announced uh, the hires for the special teams coach, the offensive coordinator, and the new offensive line coach, it was just, like, agreed to terms. Like, there wasn't a quote from Rule, which there usually is, or there wasn't a coach, you know, the the new coach like McAdoo or Tabor. They didn't provide a quote about, you know, just a generic quote. Like, you know, I'm really looking forward to working with Matt Rule and – the Carolina Panthers, I want to thank him and Dave Tepper and Scott Fitter, blah, 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 like just generic stuff. And so I don't even see that. And we'll get into the senior bowl later and kind of get into some things I've noticed down there. Uh, but I've been watching on TV, John, you know, two to three of the days when they've been broadcasting. And I don't think Matt Rule is down there. I, I mean, I know Scott Fitter and Dan Morgan and the entire scouting staff. I see them on yeah. TV. I saw uh, the former Jets uh, general manager Terry Bradaway, he's like, he he was he's been around for a long time. He's like sixty five years old. He was talking to Dan Marino. I saw him on TV. Yeah. I think Darren Gant uh, posted a nice article about how he's like a part time consultant with the Panthers now. But I've seen their scouting staff, like the big guys, like you know who I'm talking about, like uh, the Dan Morgan and Scott Fitter, like I said, down in Mobile, like really scouting. I, I haven't seen one coaching staff member down there and I'm, again i don't i'm not there my personally but i think espn does a pretty good job of looking into the crowd and trying to get crowd shots uh you know you saw that clip i posted of marty herney and the washington staff in that booth uh in the stadium and uh you know additionally I, i've following the beat reporters i haven't seen them mention that rule and the staff have been down there so again it's just it's very confusing what's going on. Okay. And, and yes, I, I fully understand that the senior bowl itself uh, is an event where you want the scouting staff to be at, but it's also an event where you go network, especially when you're still looking for uh, members of a coaching staff to fill out. Now, if rule has other priorities back at home, uh, then, you know, fair enough. I, I'll eat crow and uh, I won't criticize him for that, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm seeing Mike Tomlin right down there. I'm seeing, you know, a whole lot of other coaches right, you know, on the field watching players. And uh, I don't know. I just figured well, like you, in you think, a, a very critical season, uh, critical yeah. off season, they would be there or he would be there at least. Yeah, you would think. And you would think if he was there and I've reached out to a couple of people that are down there and I really have yet to hear anything definitively back. So if, if Matt is down there, he's obviously, you know, and, and you know how the NFL network and these, you know, ESPN, all these guys work though. They'll find head coaches and they'll pan to them and show them. And I that usually happens with everybody. And usually the team website, and I love Gant. He's good. We've had him on our show here. He's he's very thorough. Usually guys um, from the team website will, will report on that. I mean, they'll they'll give you some insight. I haven't seen any tweets out in the team or any representatives thereof mention Ben McAdoo, Phil Snow, anybody. I know Jason Simmons, the defensive backs coach, is interviewing with the Broncos right now for their D.C. job, so that's going on. Um, yeah, but you'd like to see some transparency there and to get understanding. You know, is admission critical? I don't know. I mean, you, you see this from time to time where coaches don't go down. They were there last year. The whole crew was down there. But, yeah, I would think in year three, especially a college guy like Matt, 
that would be his environment. You know, he was sidelines at the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Obviously, that's right next to home. But maybe they're all in-house. Maybe they're having staff meetings. And I don't want to be too judgmental, but I'd like to get some feedback from the team at some point. Scott maybe will speak out at some point um, in a presser. I don't know what the next step is. But, uh, yeah, you'd like to know kind of like where Matt and Ben and, uh, you know, yeah, even, you know, have they have they hired a quarterback's coach? Or do they have one on staff right now? Who's the QB? It's Sean Ryan. It's still Sean Ryan. So they retain Ryan. That's right. But they still need a D-line coach. That's what I'm thinking of. So, and that's yeah, an interesting and, topic we can get to later because I'm, I'm hearing a couple I, of names out there that might fit. You know, a while ago, I've been to Mobile. I think it was 2014, 2015. And there's a lot of networking going on there, especially for unemployed coaches. Like they go around and, uh, I mean, Mobile is not a huge city, but there's a lot of, uh, you know, different restaurants and bars that a lot of the NFL oh, yeah. people congregate to. And, and just, there's just a ton of networking going on 24-7 there for the 48 to 72 hours, uh, you know, members of the NFL personnel are there. And uh, so if, if you are looking for, again, coaches to fill out your staff, I figured that this would be a great opportunity to be there. So again, it's not the end of the world. It's just... Wow, it's just outside of the radio interview, we haven't seen Matt. And again, we'll get into that radio interview another time. It was uh, again. Yeah, well, I'm not. not we're, this isn't going to be the the anti Matt <laughs> rule show. All right, no, we're gonna... no. We're look. We're we're trying to. Billy and I, I think, both agree. We're trying to look at the the aspects of this team that 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 are right in front of us here, and and relitigating all that bullshit is just a waste of energy. <laughs> um, I, I'll say that. And Twitter is a good forum for that. And you can come follow me at One Panther Place because I do my share of griping. Uh, and I think it's fair to do that. But I also think what's interesting is, you know, how would this stack mesh? How will this work? You know, it it is weird to see, you know, Ben McAdoo back in this role. And, you know, I, I, I'd love to get your thoughts on that because, I, you know, for all the crap he took as a head coach, I, I don't know what to make him as an OC. I think his numbers were – decent with a pretty good roster but I, I come back to the fact that he had a dependable you know if not hall of fame level we can argue this all day quarterback in Eli Manning he had a guy who could do some pre-snap stuff he had a guy that understood how to run that offense when you look at McAdoo what's he all about I know he spent time with McCarthy I know his scheme doesn't seem to be too boxed into one type of flavor I guess it's pretty flexible what, what, what is your expectation on Ben McAdoo with this offense? And I guess a lot of it revolves around the quarterback, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of it. I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to go too in-depth. I just – I mean, this was the type of hire they're going to have to make. Uh, I mean, they, they – they, I thought Bill O'Brien would have been the best hire, but, uh, you know, to me it sounds like uh, O'Brien is – going to go to the Patriots where he has a lot of organ, you know, where he has a lot of experience or he's going to stay at Alabama. Um, so very curious decision there. I, I don't know, man. I just, I'm not a fan of Ben McAdoo's offense. It's, it's very, very, very generic and yeah. simple. It's just, it's some, it's an extension of the McCarthy offense, a ton of slant flats. Um, yeah. You know, I know he put his own flavor on it at times, but I think that New York offense, people kind of, um, that offense had a lot more talent than people think. And Eli Manning, especially after like 2016, he didn't turn out to he didn't play well. But you know, prior to that, he was pretty good and did a lot of you know, quarterbacky things like processing and 
uh, you know, his accuracy in the intermediate and short part of the field. That's certain, Eli's never had a you know, rocket arm, uh, but he could do, you know, execute the just the the basics of the offense uh, very well. But again, to, to me, I don't see McAdoo moving the needle at all. Uh, I'm not, again, I'm not even sure if he's, I mean, it's probably the same level as like a Jeff Nixon. Obviously they have their own different flavors of uh, how to attack defenses, but um, you know, that doesn't move the needle for me. I will say, I, I did think that Chris Tabor's, um, he, he's a pretty good coach special teams wise. Uh, so I thought I that was a, pretty good coup for them i have no real thoughts or opinion on james campman that the offensive line coach i again um it just seems like you're picking <laughs> bottom of the barrel you're not gonna you know get a guy like mike munchak as good as he is to join the staff and that's just the reality of the situation right now uh it's it's not yeah, an attractive I, I thought, place to be I thought munchak and, and you know a, a philly guy that we both talked to from time to time you know, Roy Istvan, who, who's going to be mentioned a lot, probably with Jacksonville now, was a guy I might have looked at before camping. But he's, you know, he's well-respected. He's, he's a guy. I mean, look, he's, he's got a pretty cool off-field story, and that's great, but it's all about results. And I, I'm hoping he can, you know, do some things to scheme them up a little better this year because I, I'm just going to warn people right now, look, it, it, it might seem like, okay, they got all this cap room and everything's going to get patched up. They've got a lot of decisions to make. And it's not like they can go out and be big spenders and fix the O-line overnight. They've nope. got to make a determination on Brady Christensen. Is he truly a left tackle? I don't even know yet myself. I thought he had some good flashes, but he's better served at left guard, maybe even right guard. And then you just, you know, pray to God you find your left tackle at number six. But then again, I like the idea of trading back too. So if Christensen can give you value at left tackle and you believe in him and you can scheme him up there, then hell, just trade back and, and recover some assets. Because I, I I guess we can lead into the senior bowl with that it, it, at some point, but that's just kind of where I'm at with the draft right now. I don't see a whole lot of guys at six that I'm like in love with at this point. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, the North Carolina State offensive tackle, he'll be, he'd be an interesting one, but I feel like there's just like a top four. And again, I want to preface this by saying that I – have not studied these guys in depth. I've seen a lot of them on TV. I've read about them here and there, but I have not done my own personal evaluation of this draft class yet. But just again, looking from the outside, I see uh, four to maybe even five, like very good, like top 10 prospects. And that's Evan Neal. Uh, help me pronounce the guy from NC state. I don't know his name, but I know. Okay, I'll just call him the NC State left tackle. He, yeah, him, he's very good. Yeah, so Evan Neal, the NC State left tackle, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, and Kyle Hamilton. So that's like a clear top five in my eyes. Um, if one of them were to drop, I again, I'd be a little. Keem is the guy. By the way, Keem is the guy from uh, NC State, and he's very good. He's he's a hell of a player, and. We'll get some more intel on him, but he, he's going to go top 10, I think. Big number 79. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I definitely think a trade back is, uh, I mean, it should be on the cards, John. They had, you don't have a second or a third round pick. And yeah. this team, it, you just, I am all for spending in free agency. I think it's, you have to explore every avenue to improve your team. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's also important that the draft is like the lifeblood of your organization. And I thought they handled it really well last year. 
Uh, but if you don't have a second or third round pick, and especially in a draft like this where it's not necessarily top heavy, it's the middle class where it's uh, there's a lot more talent, then it's just it's going to be tough sledding. And don't get me wrong, like if they draft one of the left tackle prospects, you know the left NC State guy or Evan Neal, like I'll be happy with it for sure. But uh, at the same time, it, it's going to be a little concerning to see how they supplement, you know, other areas of the roster. And and so, I mean, this is a very, very precarious uh, situation yeah. that they find themselves in. And I, I would caution them to be, you know, like a year ago or not even a year ago, hell, Billy, this was more recent, but you were sort of one of the first people I heard, you know, mentioned it wouldn't have been a bad idea just to have keep Bridgewater and ride it out a little bit as frustrated as Matt was and his fans were. And I get you and I had our frustrations too. You know, you made a three-year commitment. Um, Don't compound the problem by trading for a guy who has three years of bad tape. And we, we talked to Costell about this. It's, it was going to be a hard fix. And I, I I think at this point, I mean, look, they've got that on the books for 18 million now, and then they've got to make decisions outside of that. They've got Reddick, Gilmore, Matt Paradis, you've got a lot of free agents, Dante Jackson, Frankie LeVu, some pretty high-value guys that they might want to keep. And then you got to start thinking ahead a little bit, Billy, to these other guys coming up on their fourth and fifth years. So, like, like I said, the cap is what it is, and you can be flexible, but Carolina's not in as ideal of a spot with a cap as I think people were led to believe maybe six months ago. Yeah, no, it's, it's certainly true. And, yeah, they – restructured a few contracts last year too i can't remember exactly i know mccaffrey was one guy they restructured um so yeah. it's it, it's going to be tough sledding and they have their work cut out for them and, and again this is I, I don't know what to say man it, it's very difficult it's a very difficult outlook and like for someone like me i i can give you like my perspective and what i would do but unfortunately my perspective does not align with Matt rules timeline because he has to win next year. So they don't, it's just going to be very tough to make win now moves when you don't have enough assets to really attack each and every area. Like what are they going to do at QB? What are they going to do at, you know, other areas of the offensive line? It's not just left tackle. It's the interior of the offensive line. Where are they going to do at wide receiver three and, um, are they comfortable with the tight ends on the roster? Uh, I mean, Ian Thomas I'm is on the contract. Exactly. And then yeah. there's just a lot of work that needs to be done. And again, if they were me, I would have moved on from this head coach and begun a proper rebuild. But And let your, and let your general manager and, and guys like Dan Morgan, who have close affiliation, work in harmony together to, to look through what's available out there. And I'll be honest, there there are a lot of good candidates out there that have since been hired and there's still plenty of qualified candidates that rise to the level of being a guy you'd look at and say, you know what, there's some credentials on that guy's record that would make me feel better about the future more than the current guy. And I, I I don't want to get down this road of being brutal against Matt rule. Look to that point about the radio interview, he went on there and talked about, he can't take his son to a Hornets game. I don't advocate any of that bullshit. You know, that's, you know, I never made it personal with this guy. I just don't think he's fit for the NFL game, but there's nothing we could do about it. He's coming back next year. And you're right. The, the timeline is weird. That, that's where it'd be good to hear from ownership. 
at least to get a vision because you see other owners, you know, like there's some transparency out there from, from good teams and they, they sort of lay it out. You can say what you want about Jerry Jones. It's a hot mess down there sometimes, but at least you hear from him. At least you know where he stands is, is, much so as today where he came out and even said, hey, Mike McCarthy won't be here forever. So that gets people thinking. Uh, like I said, Tepper couldn't find enough microphones for a while, and now he can't seem to find one anywhere. So it's interesting to say the least. Yeah, and I, I just I, I just hope he's consistent with it. If you're not going to talk, don't talk. I mean, let your organization speak for you. That's totally fine. Yeah. But if you are going to talk, don't go hiding when things are not looking great. But, I mean, that's just the but first Billy, who's sign the, of- who's the voice? Who's the voice of this franchise now? That's the problem because every yeah, time I mean, Matt gets into the microphone, the it's a it is a mess. And I I I I hate to be critical, but it is what it is. He's the one that's saying these things. He's the one calling out players and defenses in particular right after the game, and then having to double back. And then right after the season, you know, he's talking about seven years, Jay Z, and it's a bad look. And it, it really, the biggest thing I have a problem with of all this is. How it's all about the locker room. It's all about the players to me. Like, look, when you keep hearing stuff like Joe Person's report, I think you and I both agree that Joe's very good at what he does and his sourcing is solid. So I have no reason to believe that he just made a bunch of shit up. And I think the people he talks to are pretty rock solid. Now, Gilmore was in there and he had some nice things to say about Matt Rule, but there were some damning things. And then you've heard, you know, some reports about Eli Apple mouthing off about Matt Rule. Who knows if that's true or not? But then Greg Olson backs that up in an article with with Joe Person yesterday and says, hey, you hear things like that, you start to wonder about the locker room. So that's my biggest concern. You've got some guys who are obviously buying into what Matt's doing, the Temple, Baylor guys mostly. You know, guys like Robbie, Colin Thompson, uh, Hassan Reddick. I mean, these are guys that obviously have a tight-knit bond with the guy. But you know, the guys like DJ Moore, Brian Burns, guys that are supposed to be cornerstones of what you're doing right now, I feel like we're just wasting years with them right now. And it sucks. But at, at, at the end of the day, until you get more consistent in the interior part of that offensive line and you actually find a competent quarterback, then even have to beat Joe Burrow. Just find some competency there. Um, you're not going to sniff the playoffs. I mean, McCaffrey's got to stay healthy. I mean, that's the other thing, Billy. Yeah, for sure. And, um, again, I'll be very curious to see what they do this offseason because, again, given the lack of um, – just resources they have it's it's going to be very difficult but i do one thing i will say is i do like this front office a lot more than some past iterations it seems like they have a lot of smart guys in there so again i don't know what the the dynamic currently is if matt is still running the show then you know fair enough but yeah if the members of the front office kind of take control of of the direction of this organization, uh, then I'll feel a little better. And again, Fitterer, he's been speaking more to the media. He's been making himself more available. Uh, he did a Q&A with Darren Gant yesterday on Panthers.com. Uh, so right. maybe there is a transition occurring and that we don't know about. Again, communication would be nice from the organization to answer these questions. But I think it's uh, pretty telling that, you know, <laughs> The organization, at least from from a marketing perspective, has an understanding because Matt Rule's birthday was on the 31st and they didn't give him a birthday shout out. And I think it was probably the best gift he ever got in his life. Like, (laughs) please don't tag me in anything on Twitter because (laughs) the mentions are going to be hot garbage. But you're right. You like you see a QA and a from Gantt with Fitter. Where's the maybe a postseason wrap up with Matt Rule? Like 
Here's a quick feature piece with our head coach talking about, you see that around the league. It's not unusual. You've seen it with this team. You, I, I haven't seen anything from Matt Rule that WFNZ radio tour. So, um, you know, once again, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But do I feel comfortable with the front office? Yeah, I do. Do, do I like their college scouting guys? I do. I really do. Um, the pro personnel side, you know, I think Dan Morgan will have some positive influence there. You know, obviously, I think they're pretty well constructed from a front Dan Morgan is, is also really liked by agents. Yeah, he really is. You're right. So I, I'm optimistic like you on that side of it. I just I don't want to keep coming back to this, but Matt was so influential with the Bridgewater stuff with, you know, obviously with Darnold. You know, I my understanding is that was very much something Matt was OK with, if not leading the charge on. So you look at that evaluation issue. I think Matt and his right-hand man, Evan Cooper, need to be a little bit neutered in that department in terms of, you know what, go coach, focus on what you do, being a head coach. This is not college. You're not recruiting anymore. And, and let the professionals at the top of the, the shelf there do the scouting, do the player eval. I, I hope that power dynamic has shifted. I think that would make fans feel a lot better about things moving forward and it would give the team a better chance to be successful because his evaluation um, metrics have not been good to this point. Yeah, for sure. And again, last year they also hired a, a new director of college scouting Cole Spencer. Um, yep. He was in Washington prior to joining the organization. So again, th- this is, this off season is like the first real glimpse of everyone with this new front office kind of attacking. Cause last year they hired a bunch of guys after the draft, like Dan Morgan and Cole Spencer and scouts and so on and so on. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And again, we'll keep you guys updated and do more shows as it comes along. But before we do log off for the, for the day, let's get into the senior bowl because this is, you know, one of the, obviously it's kind of now it coincides with the shrine game. Um, not the same yeah. week, pretty much intertwined in the same week. So, uh, a, yeah. a little bit, a little bit of bad blood too between the two camps. I see that it's kind of funny to watch that. Yeah, very interesting. Um, <laughs> but you know, each year, John, I, I always get like the itch of scouting college comes back this time of the year when the senior bowl is on. I don't know why. It just it's just kind of like a revolving door essentially, and each time you're watching it you just get suckered right back into it and that kind of happened for me this week and again i'll just be upfront with you guys you know in the past i've always kept a pretty good eye and i've been i wouldn't scout like you know 365 days a year but i would kind of start my draft process like in the fall and just try to keep up with as many guys and try to watch uh, you know some games too on the when i had free time but i haven't done that in recent years just a lot of professional obligations and just watching more NFL. Uh, it's been better mm-hmm. for me, uh, but again, I haven't watched a lot of these guys. So this is my first exposure to them, but I definitely want to point out a few guys who have caught my attention and let's just start with the most important position quarterback. I think Malik Willis has really, he's been really good. At least to my eyes. I know he struggled on Monday uh, or excuse me, Tuesday, which was the first day of practice, but I think the point of the senior bowl is not necessarily like playing lights out practice one, two, three. It's 
a word you like to use, upward momentum. And I feel like we saw that with Malik Willis going from practice one, practice two, practice three. Uh, he's been coached by the Detroit Lions staff, and they have former NFL quarterback Mark Brunel as their QB coach. And it seemed like Willis was taking coaching really well because he was, him and Brunel were kind of like, you know, laughing with each other, you know, pushing each other around playfully and whatnot. And it, it seemed like he's a guy who, um, outside of all the physical tools that he has, he seems like a, a very good and uh, stand up guy. Yeah, no, I, I thought I thought it's been very interesting to to watch these practices. And you've been posting a lot of clips on Twitter. I would recommend folks get over to your page and follow all that because that's kind of where I've been shopping at Billy M underscore 91. And you see a lot of other, you know, good clips out there too online. But I think the big thing I look at is, you know, with Willis, he he's taking to the coaching well, like you said. It's good to see, you know. That staff, and I think Deuce Taylor's getting a lot of freedom this week, which is cool. That's awesome to see. Yeah, I haven't seen, I, I've only seen Dan Campbell like in the background. Yeah, I think Dan's kind of letting Deuce kind of run the show, and I think that's that that's a pretty cool way to do it. But no, I thought Malik looked great. I mean, you posted a few clips, and I, I saw a few more out there from some tape that, that was posted. Um, all the things they talked about with Malik, you know, I think in terms of like, processing that's that's to be determined obviously the level of competition you got to factor that in uh in terms of his college days he did put up some really good tape against uh uh what's carolina it was yep yeah that too but you know i i thought he checked off a lot of boxes and the arm talents there he's got great footwork he can run under center which is nice billy it's that that play action clip he posted where he's running the boot i mean i thought that was a beautiful throw um, it gives you that extra element. You know, this is the, the modern game we're talking about. And you know, can you hold up? I mean, look, I'm, I'm a big believer that if you run the right way and you get down, you're going to be fine. Most guys get injured when they're in the pocket if they're quarterbacks. I don't think it's going to be a big deal there. And I think his stock is rising. I mean, we, we saw plenty with Kenny Pickett. There was a rough practice, I think, in the beginning there with him. Um, it's, it's fun seeing Carson Strong throw the ball. I'll tell you that. I mean, he's got a cannon, but obviously there's some injury concerns there. But, no, I like Malik a lot. I thought he had a really good practice uh, the other day when I looked at it. And I think he's one of the guys that, you know, he showed in, in bad conditions, Billy. I thought it was great to watch these guys in the rain with the wind, too. You know, my, my co-host on my show down here at Fox Sports Upstate was down there for that day, and he said the wind was brutal and the conditions were bad. And guys like Willis were cutting the ball right through that wind. So mm-hmm. that's a really good sign. You want to see that. Yeah, and just to get to your point about Pickett, Pickett, again, he seems to have pretty solid practices uh, the first and the third day. But again, the biggest question mark with Pickett, uh, fair or unfair, is the hand size. And yeah. as it relates to his hand size, he had a very difficult time gripping the ball. And again, the elements were not great. He didn't throw it well either. Uh, and it, it just it was a pretty big struggle. And you can tell uh, very noticeably the difference between Willis's kind of top end traits versus Pickett. I mean, again, Pickett, he, he's a pretty athletic guy too. I've seen him, you know, play uh, on, on Saturdays. So I don't want to take anything from, yeah. away from that sense. But as far as like the tools, the arm strength and uh, the abilities to make all the throws, uh, I think that Willis, you know, takes him in that department. And again, I want to preface this one more time by saying I haven't done a full evaluation of them, but I think, um, you know, 
it just is a little red flag in my opinion. Um, pick it to practice on Tuesday because if he's going to uh, play in a situation in Carolina potentially, uh, the weather here, John, it's it's not 70s and no wind. 365 days no. a year, there's uh, we can get no. some pretty bad weather, and uh, especially uh, the rain has never shied away from Charlotte, North Carolina. No, it's not. You're you're right. You're, you're going to have days where. And, you know, the schedule changes every year. You're going to play a different division every year, so you can have road games that have uh, weird elements like Buffalo last year. You're going to see this. So you're right. You need a quarterback who can, you know, process and do all the stuff you talk about. But at the end of the day, it's like the stuff we talked about with Josh Allen a few years ago where a lot of us didn't fully understand what he was. And there's a lot of hindsight with draft Twitter. That's why I try to stay on the fringes of it and just do my own thing and, and evaluate as I go. But um, – I try not to be too definitive with my evals this early. I think you're very wise to do that too, because there's a lot to turn. But anytime you can see a guy cut the ball through the wind and elements like that, that's an attention grabber. So I thought that was neat. Yeah. And uh, moving on uh, to some other players who caught my attention, Perry and Winfrey, the um, interior defensive lineman from Oklahoma. I mean, he was just all over the place. And I, I kind of reminded me of K1 short in some respects, because I mean, he has mm-hmm. like some, unbelievable quickness but he also you know was driving guys backwards so he seemed to have a a pretty well-rounded skill set um logan hall from houston he was another one who caught my attention other interior defensive lineman um you know i really wasn't too impressed with some of the edge rushers i know people um they like maje sanders from cincinnati but you know doing a deeper dive on him he's very very skinny and this Carolina team Scott Federer alluded to it uh, they need bigger bodies on the edge because they couldn't stop the run last year so a guy like Majay Sanders unless he's coming here like a fifth or sixth round draft pick and you have extra picks uh, I think fine you can use him as a rotational edge rusher but uh, we saw this experiment kind of uh, it didn't go well when they had the guy from Alabama a couple years ago they drafted Marty Herney drafted I can't forget his name it's Christian um, Christian Miller yeah, yeah, it's it's a similar type prospect to him, um, but he's a tweener. Yeah, he's kind of a tweener, and, and that exactly to the point of Phil Snow's defense. It, it it might be a nice chess piece, but yeah, they've got to get bigger. The guy, I mean, Hassan Reddick's even talked about if he's going to stay or whether he does or does not. He wants to add maybe like fifteen pounds, and I think you know hopefully that doesn't take away some of his uh, dexterity there. But you know they they need to bulk up. They they got gashed late in the. I mean, like when I keep remembering when Matsko and and Turner came to town with Ron Rivera. And they just wide zoned them to death and they killed them because they were so light in the box. They got to bulk up, man. For sure. And I know a lot of Panther fans are paying attention to the offensive line. I know you are too. Uh, Trevor Penning, he stood out to me yesterday. At least he was, he has a very like, um, I, I say this as a compliment, a very nasty attitude. He plays the game uh, with the main streak. He's always looking to compete and he's a type of offensive lineman. Uh, you bring in to change a culture. And I, I said it on Twitter, I think he fits with the culture of like a Tennessee Titans or New Orleans Saints, you know, two teams mm-hmm. who have a brand that is physical, tough. They want to run the ball, but, um, you know, they do it with, you know, a purpose. Uh, but, you know, if this is the culture change that Matt Rule wants to implement, uh, you can't go wrong with Penning. And a couple of the offensive linemen on the interior stood out, especially at center. Cole Strange from Chattanooga and Zion Johnson from uh, Boston College. 
I don't know if you've had a chance to watch either of them. But those two have really stood out to me. And I think that uh, I'm not sure again where they're projected. I've seen some people project Zion to potentially go first round. And, um, but we've seen some other uh, small school interior offensive linemen come in, uh, notably the two interior offensive linemen in Tampa, Kappa and Marpet. They had good weeks at the senior bowl and they got drafted by Tampa in the day two of the draft. Uh, you know, a guy like Cole Strange could be like that next lineage of small school guys have good weeks here and then make the transition to the NFL. I was wondering if you had any thoughts on those two guys. Yeah, I mean, getting getting back to Penning, I mean, I, I saw some tape on him, man. He looks the part. He would be great. He's a nasty dude, like he talked about. One of the, <laughs> the you did some cut-ups on him, and I hadn't paid much attention to the guy, but man, he is the, the he fits the brand. I mean, I'll say that. Um yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to to see how it goes with the other guys you mentioned. I'm going to dive more into kind of, you know, some of the clips and then some of the evaluations that are out there. I thought Jermaine Johnson looked really good for a minute. Yeah, like, for I know sure. He yeah, he's one that for sure. Yeah, sorry. He's an edge guy. I don't think he practiced all week. Travis Jones from UConn, he's a monster um, defensive tackle. And then uh, you talk about tight ends. I thought Dolchitz looked pretty good from – from UCLA. I, I, he's a pretty athletic guy. He can get some separation. There's some pretty good yep, tight ends yep. at the senior bowl right now. Trey McBride. Yeah. McBride too. I think that's somewhere they might need to look too, in terms of like, you know, I know Trimble is, is a H back type of guy that's learning how to play the position in line and, and do things in the passing game. And I, I like his progress, but I don't think they're quite there yet. And I don't know if Ian Thomas sticks around. I, I think they're kind of worn that experiment out. I like Ian. I think his blocking has improved a little bit, but um, I think those are some guys I would look at and say right off the bat would catch my, but man, but pinning was just absolute animal. He's a monster. Um, you know, he was probably in, in like the pass protection stuff, you know, he can still do a little work there in terms of improvement, but like as a, just a mauler as a road grader. Yeah. That's you want to run the ball 33 times, Matt, that there's your guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's certainly pretty much it. For sure. He, he plays with a, a very good main streak, but you know, we'll, we'll certainly continue to do these podcasts. Uh, I know the combine is actually weirdly enough coming up at the end of the month into yeah. March. And uh, I'm sure we'll you know do a podcast on that front. John, are you going to the combine? To be determined. We're still working on that. I'm, I'm hoping to get up there, but it's, it's TBD right now. I wanted to be down in mobile, but I couldn't make it because I had some obligations with, with work here, but uh, nonetheless, I mean, they'll have it all on every network on, on <laughs> ESPN to, you know, gosh, NFL network will have it 24 seven. So we'll, you and I will definitely do our homework on that end, but I'm hoping to get up there. We'll see. Yeah. That'd be great. If you did I think you get a lot of information there, but uh, regardless, we're going to continue just, uh, uh, you know, myself, I know you have, you'll be getting into it. We'll be watching film of a lot of these prospects and giving you our thoughts and evaluations on this show. Uh, and more to come, but that was just kind of our general impression of the senior bowl. Uh, again, make sure you check it out. I think it's tomorrow, two 30 PM on NFL network. Uh, it's always a good you know, event. Uh, Jim Nagy and his crew do a good job and uh, shout out. I know they have some bad blood, but shout out also to Eric Galco of the shrine game. I saw there. I watched glimpses of it yesterday. I didn't really have a, yeah. I have it recorded. So maybe I'll go back and watch uh, just to pick, see if I pick up on any interesting prospects, but uh, John, we're getting down to the off season. You know, the NFL is, it's a 365 day, uh, business and, uh, looking forward to the next season, which is, we're currently in the weeds of, which is the off season. Any final parting thoughts? 
No, I think you're right, man. It's going to be fun. We've got, you know, Senior Bowl, Shrine Bowl, two great events like you mentioned. We'll we'll kind of do a little deeper dive into that next show. And then we've got the Combine, and then, man, draft season is is almost here. And then free agency, too. So, I mean, you've got a lot going on. And, by the way, hopefully by that point we'll, we'll have heard from Matt Rule because usually coaches speak at the Combine. And I'll be fascinated to hear some of the Q&A from that perspective. So we'll we'll definitely react to that. And uh, we'll we'll be back, you know, as soon as we find it fit to come back for another podcast. It's a bit of a slow burn right now, but we'll, we'll definitely keep you guys up to date. All right. And uh, I want to thank you again, John and uh, everyone. Thank you again for listening and we'll see you next time on the roar. Have a good one.